The Philippines improved four places to 48th out of 63 economies in the World Competitive Yearbook Rankings in 2022, from 52nd out of 64 economies in 2021. In this B-side episode, Christos Kobolis, chief economist of the Swiss-based International Institute of Management Development, or IMD, does a deep dive on the rankings, which were released this June. And he explains to Business World reporter Revan Michael Diochave what the Marcos administration has to do to improve the country's competitiveness. How did the Philippines do in the 2022 version of the WCR? As I remember, even with the the improved ranking, in terms of in the Asia-Pacific region, the Philippines remained at the 13th place out of 14 economies. So it means that even with the improved scores, it's still not enough to improve in the region. Why do you think is that? I think that some of the regions have to do with some structural big problems. These have to do, for instance, with dependency of the Philippine economy to international trade, which means that whenever there are fluctuations in the trade, then obviously it is very difficult for uh, the Philippines to do something about it. And the international trade, if one examines uh, this particular variable, we'll see that both the type of products that Philippines exports, but also the countries uh, that has the trading relationship with are very concentrated, which means that any kind of small change may have big implications for the Filipino economy. So this is the one aspect. The other aspect is more structural, is related to the infrastructure, especially two components of the infrastructure investments towards education and investments towards health and the environment. And finally, I think one particular reason that we should bring in our discussion is what we call societal framework. And this does not have only to do with issues related with the network that the country has, or the, actually, I should say, the benefit side, the societal net that has in situations, but also related with issues of diversification, uh, diversity, I'm sorry, issues related to diversity, issues related to equality, and so on and so forth. I'd like to touch first, sir, on the international trade because it was well documented that many countries in, or there were some countries in the Asia-Pacific region that turned into protectionist stance in terms of other exports, particularly with Vietnam. I think mm-hmm. in the middle of the pandemic, they chose to stop rice exports also, especially with oil right now. All of us are facing high oil prices. Especially here in the Philippines, we're already reaching more than 100 pesos per liter. So it's, it's affecting the way of life here in the country. And we also recently had our elections. So in terms of the trade, what do you think can the next administration do help the country? Especially with the competitive rankings also in relation to that. This is a very important question. Any government in the world can do in the sense that there are certain aspects that the government has under its control, more or less, and elements that are related with exogenous events, random events that are happening despite of who is in the helm of a government. And in fact, the last three years, uh, we are facing the latter. 
if the situation that we are discussing is the former, so a particular treaty or a, a unilateral decision to restrict certain type of trade, then the suggestion will be straightforward. It will be to actually open paths, open roads, try to have better communication, try to have a win-win situation from a, a trading point of view. If we are talking on the other hand of a random event, and this is a very good question because this is what the government of Bongbong Marcos will have to face, uh, is kind of complicated and needs a lot of thought. In the last couple of three years, we had two years, we're in the third year now, we had two years of experience of a pandemic. And for instance, the Philippines, along with almost every other economy in the world, try to provide liquidity to both individuals, but also businesses and companies in order to be able to balance all the negative effects, the increase of the aggregate supply and the decrease of the demand. And this actually helped the economy, but at the same time has some repercussions that are, of course, are issues that the new government of the Philippines has to face. For instance, the tremendous increase of fiscal discrepancies primary budget balance, for instance, and the issues that one can do with a very high sustainability of whether the debt, the existing debt can be sustainable. Now, the issue that you raised about the oil and the gas price, I can reassure you that we are speaking now to a very sympathetic audience. We have the same implications in Switzerland, but also in the rest of the world. This is a little bit more tricky how we can cope with that. But the question is very important because it brings into our conversation something that we identify in the analysis of our ranking, and that is the re-emergence of the geopolitical risk, something that we, we were evaluating at a very low probability in the past. And this geopolitical risk, the new risk, has several implications. One implication is the discontinuity of the frequency with which certain products can go around. Oil is one, wheat is another one. Different types of fertilizers are going to be a very big issue for the rest of the world, precisely because of the Eastern European war, because of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And this has to be dealt with very, very carefully. I would still like a follow-up question on international trade because the Philippines deferred its entry into the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership or RCEP, the largest trade deal in the world because it consists of 38% of the entire GDP. We deferred our uh, participation in that. And you mentioned that international trade is one of the factors why despite the improved ranking is we still lag behind in the region. How important is it that we join RCEP? Because local officials here, especially President Bongbong Marcos, wants a review because of the so-called consequences or the effects to the agriculture sector. He's worried that our agriculture sector is not yet ready and might be at a disadvantage if we join RCEP. In general, what we find from our research throughout the years and studying more than 60 economies around the world, we find that in general, Economies that are open, 
economies that are part of multinational agreements are actually the same economies with the ones that are in the high positions of our ranking. Increasing the exchange basically allows for the economy to identify the strengths and the areas where it can improve upon. Trying to put different kinds of constraints may not necessarily help in the way that we at least believe. But having said that, obviously I don't know the specific details, but in general speaking, the more open the economy, the higher the competitiveness position in our rankings. Did the 2022 report already consider the new amendments or the new economic measures that were recently passed here, like the Foreign Investments Act, the Public Service Act, and the Retail Trade Liberalization Act? In context, those bills were as parts of efforts to liberalize or open the economy to foreign investments. Unfortunately, no. And I'll tell you and I'll explain to you and your audience why. But then I will give you some thoughts about what we are expecting in the future. We cannot see this yet because we build the ranking by using two types of data. We use hard data and all the hard data for an economy are actually data from 2021. And then we use responses from executives from all over the economies that we study that actually are taken during 2022 but before the election of May 9th. The survey that we ran was run from February until the end of April. What we have is is what happened with the competitiveness of the Filipino economy in 2021, and what are the perceptions of this economy from the executive's point of view for 2022. And therefore, these have not been actually accounted for. However, Having said that, one of the big issues for the Philippines was precisely issues related to how quickly a particular company can be brought into the economy, how, what are the steps uh, that one has to take, what are the limitations, and so on and so forth. And this has two effects. First, it discourages potential entrepreneurs, local potential entrepreneurs, and secondly, it discourages foreign investors who may come and bring capital into the economy. So making this easier, making this better, making this more careful, it is definitely uh, something that will positively affect the economy. Now, having said that, the implication may not be instantaneous. Just because a new law was introduced, that does not necessarily mean that we will see the manifestation of all the implications immediately. We need to allow a little bit of time in order for that to be factored in. Based on the four major factors that were looked into the report, the Philippines improved in infrastructure and economic performance and went down in government efficiency and business efficiency. Can you expound, sir, on the decliners for the Philippines for the 2022 report? Let's begin with the declines. So if we observe the declines, essentially we find something that it is natural. We find that there is a decline with respect to the public finance of the economy. But this was to be expected precisely because of the provision 
of the liquidity in the market. The fiscal support that the Philippine economy provided to both individuals and businesses was substantial. And in fact, compared with some other countries in the region, much more generous. This, of course, now has implications. One implication is the negative effect in the public finance domain. The other issues are issues that I'm afraid remain from the past. And these have to do both with the institutional framework and what we call business legislation. Business legislation we touched upon. You mentioned already three new laws that passed. All of them were related to business legislation, improving issues related to how effectively and efficiently a business can operate in the economy will be a positive outcome. But this has not manifested yet, obviously. The other issue is the institutional framework. And this is something that affects in general the stand of the economy vis-a-vis -vis the foreign investors group. And this has to do with the rule of law. It has to do with how strong the corporate governance of the country. It has to do with how strong the auditing and accounting practices are. And I think in that respect, I mean, we measure more than 250 criteria in order to derive the ranking. And in the Philippines, I think that within this body, within the institutional framework and within the management practices, we find out that in general, the ability of the boards of directors of the companies to monitor the senior executives of a company is actually ranked in the upper half of the countries that we examine which means that the Philippines can build in this practice in order to strengthen corporate governance, but in order to effectively try to deal with certain issues related, for instance, to bribery and corruption, related to bureaucratic effectiveness. How about, sir, in terms of the strengths for the country, like the economic performance and the infrastructure? How do you think can the administration of Bongbong Marcos sustain the strong performance for these two factors? The increase that we observed in the ranking is mainly related to the performance of the country with respect to the economic well-being. And more specifically, we saw the increase of the real GDP, effectively. Uh, we saw the increase in international investments, and we saw the increase in all the measures of employment. I remind to the audience that unemployment was a very big issue of the economy last year and the year before. Yet for this year, what we see is an improvement in all the measures of employment. Either this is long-term employment or, and I think personally that it's extremely important, youth employment because essentially you build the next generation of talent by incorporating your own domestic working force. So these were essentially something that reflected very positively in the rank. With respect to infrastructure, what we saw was a boost in what we call scientific infrastructure. And I would take that as the first positive step to hopefully continuation in this particular front. Why? because scientific infrastructure is the necessary pillar for both 
digitalization, improvement in the efficiency of the economy and the well-being of the country. I see, because in the rankings, it, scientific infrastructure jumped the highest, if I'm not mistaken. How about for technological infrastructure, sir? What does this mean? So technological infrastructure essentially deals with issues related to investments, to telecommunication, what exactly is going on with a mobile broadband in the economy, what are the costs of the mobile telephony, how secure are the internet servers, and so on and so forth. Deals with issues related to whether the country has high tech export or whether the country is dealing very well with a cybersecurity issue. And in these respects, in general, the economy of the Philippines improved relatively to the other 63 countries that we studied. I see, sir. For education, sir, it's flat, remained at 60 compared to last year. In terms of education, since the schools here in the Philippines closed for two years, do you think when the schools are reopened here, will this score or ranking of 60 for 2022 improve? I sure hope so. However, if we take a step back, we see that education is actually a long-term investment. By improving the investment to the education, by incorporating new ways of teaching, by making the skills and competencies that we teach to the young people of our economy better, essentially what we are expecting is to see this improvement in the economy 10, 15, or 20 years down the line. Because this is the time that the youngsters are going to graduate. At the same time, what we need to find is a a mechanism to connect what is going on in the higher education institutions of the country and what is going on in the market. Do they collaborate? Do they provide the educational institutions and research centers the necessary ingredients that companies can actually be able to commercialize and bring to the market? If a Filipino economy managed to work on these dimensions, that will be fantastic. In fact, we at the center believe that it is one of the most important pillars for the future. This will be one of the long-term strategies that the new government has to set its eyes on. There is a catch that most of the times we try to see improvements in performance very, very fast. And with education, these improvements in performance are not going to be viewed fast. We need to be patient and we need to stay the course. So if this happens and we have the patience, then of course the improvements can be substantial. You've mentioned, sir, that we need more investments in education. The vice president of uh, President uh, Bongbong Marcos, Vice President Sara Duterte, the daughter of the outgoing president, Rodrigo Duterte, will take the cabinet position of education secretary. So she'll mm-hmm. be the one to handle uh, education in the Philippines. So in terms of investments, you've mentioned that we need more investments in education. Where or which part of the f- education sector do we need uh, more investments in buildings, perhaps improved internet? Though I think it applies also in technological infrastructure. What would be good to see is where these investments will have the highest impact. 
you mentioned essentially infrastructure. If infrastructure is the major issue of the education of the Philippines, absolutely yes, then the investment need to go there. Most frequently than not, it's a portfolio of things that need to happen. Um, you cannot have new infrastructure unless you have people who will be able to use this new infrastructure effectively. So most of the times, uh, the investment to education takes different dimensions. It is related to the buildings. It is related very, very much to the equipment. And it is related also to incorporating the talent that actually can take this and motivate and inspire the younger Filipino. This is the one aspect. The other aspect is also that investments should be made for long-term learning. Learning does not end when one takes a degree. In fact, we realize now with all the improvement in uh, automation and digitalization that we need to reshape our competencies much more frequently than in the past. So in fact, it will be an extremely interesting area where the new government can actually create a very nice portfolio of things that can improve. And in the end, all these will improve the education. Let's move on to five challenges for the country in 2022. Can we go through them one by one? So the first challenge, based on the report, is uh, implementing effective post-pandemic economic recovery strategies while strengthening fiscal responsibility. Can you elaborate on that, sir? As a center, the way that we create the ranking is that we have institutions, entities in all the economies, in almost all the economies that we study that really help us in a number of different things. They help us in validating the data. They help us by identifying where we can send our survey. And they help us in order to understand what are the challenges of the economy. In fact, the five challenges that we outline in the report are provided by the Ancient Institute of Management, the Navarro Policy Center for Competitiveness in Philippines. So this is what the entity in the country said, that these are the challenges that we are facing. So with respect to the fiscal responsibility, we spoke about that in the beginning. The provision of liquidity, uh, rightfully, the, the years of the pandemic create now the necessity to try to balance that and try to balance that in two ways. First, to phase out this liquidity support by strengthening the economy. And secondly, to see how the debt that has been acquired by the country can be sustainable. What exactly is the primary budget balance? How we can bring that in a manageable position? And therefore, how we can strengthen the fiscal responsibility. Moving to the second challenge, regaining lost momentum in poverty reduction and inclusive economic development. I think this take further hit because of the high inflation, the high commodity prices, the ongoing war. What do you think, sir? You're absolutely right. And in fact, this will be one of the short-run issues that the new government will have to deal with. We spoke before about what are the, the big issues. We spoke about the necessary diversification of the economy. We spoke about the investments in infrastructure and in government efficiency. If one tries to see what are the short-run issues, 
what are the short-run solutions that the government has to try to tackle, and they're not easy at all, but nevertheless, they need to be tackled, is the inflationary pressure. And therefore, this exacerbates the issue of poverty. And by addressing that, one hopes that the poverty issue can be eliminated. Yet, it is not the only thing, and that may need a broader conversation that you should have. But poverty, actually, reduction is a much more complicated issue that needs to be addressed, not only from the inflation point of view. And also, inclusivity of economic development is a must, especially if one tries to see what exactly is going on with what we were discussing before, that is the societal framework that we try to measure for each economy that we study. The inclusivity comes within this context that we discussed. Moving on to the third challenge, sir, promoting innovative governance in a smooth post-election transition of power. So can you explain this, sir, for the third challenge? The third challenge deals with how the government will be able to make the steps to, first of all, have a transition in power which will be smooth, but secondly, to build the credibility that the solutions that we'll provide will be good for the country, but also good for the residents of the country as a whole. And this is related with the inclusivity that we discussed before. And also it is related with the innovative components that we'll use in order to deal with problems that it faces. Does the history of the president play a factor here? We can't deny history that he came from a family of the former strongman. Will this be an issue moving forward for the country, especially for in terms of the competitive ranking? I'm afraid that our ranking does not take this into consideration. It is obvious that the support from the citizens of the Philippines actually are expecting a new start, a new beginning. We will need, instead of trying to forecast what will happen, especially with somebody that deals mostly with economic and competitiveness part of that, maybe we should be a little bit patient and have this conversation a year from now, and then we'll try to reflect from different criteria that we measure what exactly is going on. In general, what we see after elections is that new governments enjoy the positive sentiment of the people, the positive sentiment of the business community. Essentially, the challenge for the new government, in my opinion, will be to take that and use it effectively because most of the times this does not hold for a very long period of time. It is enjoyed only for a short period of time. And therefore, use this as a springboard in order to accomplish some short-run objectives that they have in mind about the economy, which essentially will build the momentum to move into the more challenging, more difficult parts of the future. For the fourth challenge, it's building resilient and future-ready health and education systems. We've tackled a bit on the education systems, but can we touch a bit more on the health side? especially since we still have the COVID pandemic, there are new variants. And uh, in the Philippines, we're recording uh, increasing cases again. Can you expound on this, sir? 
let's first say what our partner institute, the Navarro Policy Center for Competitiveness, Alino Navarro Policy Center for Competitiveness, provides as a challenge, which is essentially that the health system should not only deal with the issue that we have right now, which is the pandemic, but essentially look forward and try to make sure that it will be possibly ready for the next quote-unquote pandemic. And you're absolutely correct to point out that, in fact, we are not out of the pandemic yet. We are very much so, and especially the Philippines, experienced that in the end of 2021, when the Omicron cases, if I'm not mistaken, were skyrocketing. And even now, the cases are very high. How do we tackle such an issue? And this is very important, and you're not going to be surprised to hear that this is not only an issue for the Philippines, but it is an issue for many countries around the world. What is maybe what exacerbates the issue for the Philippines is the fact that it starts from a lower position than other countries. So the expenditure for health is very low related to the other 63 economies that we study. The universal health coverage index is very low. This essentially brings the life expectancy at birth at a very low position. So different metrics that try to give an indication of what exactly the country does with respect to the health system in general are actually such that imply that improvement can be made. An improvement can be made in a very important way. For the last challenge for the country in 2022, it's investing in a sustainable infrastructure and reducing climate change vulnerability. Can you explain this, sir, for us? Yes. Let me take a step back and actually mention the following. And I think this may provide a summary of the things that we have discussed. We know that we are facing some of the challenges that globally we're facing now are related to climate change, are related with sustainability. Um, Philippines, if I'm not mistaken, experienced some very variable climate events in the last few months. And the fear that this may happen again increases. If you see neighboring countries in the region, actually right now, as we speak, they're going through tremendous issues related to the climate change. So the natural question that comes into place is what exactly we can do about that. And let me take a step back and say that in the last two years, when we were discussing about the challenges of the pandemic, we were trying to evaluate countries that were going through a very difficult time. Yet, we never thought that the pillars of competitiveness have changed. That is, pillars related to the rule of law. These elements, these entities were unchanged. And therefore now the question comes to different economies. And I think it comes very emphatically to the Filipino economy as to what will be the future of the economy. What do we need to do? Do we need to continue whatever we do, trying to basically maybe increase certain parts of the economy? Or do we make a decision where essentially we try to look the issues that will be addressing that the next generation or two generations from now will have to face. 
And this is a very, very important issue. And I think this is what the last challenge tries to bring into the conversation. Are we going to try to create a sustainable infrastructure? The one that will be able to keep the balance between what we do and the quality of our life in a very nice equilibrium. And if we do so, how are we capable not only keeping the climate as we have it right now constant, but actually try to better that and actually reduce the probability of climate change vulnerability? And I think this is a very, very important task. So, sir, in summary, among these challenges for the next administration, which of these should be prioritized higher? And what can be done, what can be addressed in the short term? I think in the short run, the very big issues that we are facing, it is uh, the probability of different variant of COVID, which may create a disruptive Uh, situation for the economy and for our people. The second is the inflationary pressures. And the third one is the difficulty that we face with the supply chain, all the supply chain bottlenecks, which essentially amplify the inflationary pressures. If the new government set its eye on trying to address the inflationary aspect and the COVID aspect, I think this is very, very important. With respect to the long-term issues, this will be a tremendous challenge that essentially we have to see how to build the resilient economy of the future. I think the, the main issue here is, can the Philippines follow regional countries like uh, Taiwan, like Korea, who manage to actually use their economy in order to increase the quality of life of their citizens and ultimately actually trying to have the new Asian tigers in the picture of the world. So this will be a major long-term challenge for the government. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Christos Kabolis, chief economist of the Swiss-based International Institute of Management Development, talking with Business World reporter Revin Michael Diochave about the Philippines and the World Competitive Yearbook Rankings in 2022. In the short term, the Marcos administration has to address the COVID-19 pandemic, inflation, and continuing supply chain bottlenecks. The report also identified five challenges for the Philippines in 2022, namely strengthening fiscal responsibility, poverty reduction and inclusive economic development, a smooth post-election transition of power, building resilient and future-ready health and education systems, and investing in sustainable infrastructure and reducing climate change vulnerability. According to Mr. Kavolis, some of the steps that we take today will bear fruit 10 to 15 years down the road. He advised staying the course and being patient. This B-Side episode was recorded remotely this June. It was produced by Joseph Emmanuel L. Garcia and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.